Welcome in the DNVR Avalanche podcast. We got all four of us here to discuss the Big Ten game, Mark. We talk about it a ton. We've hit that point for everyone in the NHL, including the Avs. We want to take a look, see where things stand a little bit. But before we do that, Megan, Eric, you two were at practice. Andre Pavel called up for the Avs. I want to have a conversation about him. Uh, Freddie Olofsson, it sounds like not healthy. Does Pavel actually play? I don't think so. Okay. That's just my gut feeling. It is interesting, though, the kind of one-for-one, what Pavel is is close or similar in role to what Olafson has been for them, and that's why I think the people crying out for Tufty, it's just not what they needed for a body at practice today, which is interesting because they weren't doing really special teams work, which I know Olafson would be particularly important but even still that fourth line is not fully determined it's still Tatar and McDermott out there doing line rushes with them as well that's why I'm just not confident that Pavel gets in a game um, just because the production hasn't quite been there at the American League level he's still doing a lot of things very responsibly away from the puck though that I think this is still a little bit of a reward but more realistically just a stylistic fit for what Olafson brought to the table. To dispel any of the things about Tufty, look, they tried him at center in the preseason, and it was not a thing. It was so bad in the preseason that oh, he's a winger. Jared Bednar even publicly was like, mm-mm. <laughs> so. so I think that's a fit call-up, right? Yeah. I'm talking about puzzle, not, yeah. not that he's not fit or he's fit. That's You know what I mean? Um, it's a puzzle call-up, and then if, like Megan said, plays and if he doesn't then it's just to make sure everything's good for practice and to make sure you got you know whatever the drills are that you're doing and yep you want to make sure you have a good practice as we know because they they haven't practiced a lot because being on the road and all that stuff and then they had a day off and the moms were are gone and so then that was a decent you know important practice not a decent an important practice today to get them going by you know by tomorrow so we'll see what happens aj i've heard you've had a theory about this call-up. Well, Frederick Olofsson being hurt adds to that. Sure. But um, I would just say, I, to me, it's also like, if even if he were to play, I don't think that what happened the other day in Vegas makes the, anybody feel any better about either Duran or Tatar. Sure. And if you were trying to introduce a little bit more of a physical element and a a try-hard attitude. An actual a, grinder type. A couple of guys who were kind of, who've coasted through a couple of games. It, it, it not been impactful in those games. And when their offense isn't going, both of them are... It's an uphill battle for both guys to uh, make an impact. And for a guy like a Pavel, he might be able to help you actually win a face-off. <laughs> because if there's one... The, the one pockmark that you have on Frederick Olofsson's season so far is that not just bad really bad. like brutally bad like he looks like a wing out there doing it for the first time ever and so i bet you you know if you wanted if he were to play if you even if frederick olofsson is playing still logan o'connor looked really good on that third line or like a really natural fit next to colton and wood if you were to move Frederick Olofsson over to the wing and put Andre Pavel in the middle, you get the same kind of mixture on a fourth line, but you also have a guy that you're saying maybe he can actually win us a face-off or two along the way. Do we know if he's good on face-offs? Or? I'm just being we, sarcastic. What, what I'm we just, know is that Frederick Olofsson has been truly <laughs> terrible. Has been atrocious to start these. No, I know. In that but regard, I'm saying so. I, I, I never looked at his in he college. Has, or, you know, yeah, I again, he's different a lot league, but you know, more experience. So, and, I mean, at center, leading yeah. up to this point. Who knows? I yeah. mean, it, the bar would be so low to be better at it than what what Olsen has done. One face off in that game, he's keeping up with Olsen basically. Right, <laughs> so. like the like the bar that Olsen has set is really really low for improvement in that area, but it also keeps it more true to a hey, this is still a fourth line, and there's probably a little more trust. Uh, certainly not less trust than what Curtis McDermott would get hmm. in that in in that you know putting him on that line. Sure, 
where you're then with McDermott, we've seen it twice now where they mix and match the lines around him yep. and he plays three shifts per period. At or best. yeah yeah and they and but the line itself goes out there yeah. four or five times with the mckinnon or whatever yeah. it, and somebody goes goes down and plays with those guys uh, as the third guy on that line yep. with pavel you just throw them out there and then see how he does because that was the guy that you know they were disappointed that the preseason went the way that it did that they didn't get a longer look at him mm-hmm. yep so and the one look that they got at the very end they liked he played well yeah, so he scored a shorty like megan Tweeted or yeah. X? Yeah. Whatever you call tweeted. that thing. Tweet it. And just call it tweeted. It. Tweet it, I'm sorry. No. X'd. I'm not and calling then, it X uh, no matter what. Yeah, yeah so, and then he looked yeah. good. He had pace. You know, I thought yeah. he was good. That's why I'm, I'm not familiar with him. So I'm talking about his college career, and obviously that's where he's been. So I saw him skate a lot this summer, you know, like at family sports. But, mm. you know, that's not really an NHL game. And again, from what we saw in that exhibition preseason game, he's good. So I, I, he's got pace and. Yeah, it would be a smart call up if he ends up playing. Or like Megan said, if he doesn't play, then you know there's something else. But hey, I think they'll be fine. If the big boys can go, then we're not gonna be so worried about fourth line center. Yeah, yeah. Certainly. Yeah. <laughs> when you're talking about having not scored a goal in three of your last four games, depth scoring is not the first problem on the list, to say the least. No. I think too, just in looking at how Bednar has shouted out Pavel for that work ethic specifically and the work that he put in in the summer and wanting to reward it. The recurring theme around the locker room today was players needing to take individual ownership of their habits right now. I think that there's a belief that there are some players who haven't fully taken ownership and embraced that. And there's this kind of sense that there are guys that need to put in a little bit more work, a little bit more work around practice and just hold themselves more accountable on an individual level. And looking at someone like Pavel, this is a quality in him that Bednar has recognized, that he is a hard worker. He does not take any shortcuts, completes all his assignments, even though he is exactly what he is, right? Fourth line depth player. He has the work ethic that I think they're really trying to make sure is shared among the group right now. And I don't think it's quite that big of a deal, but I think it's probably an extension of some messaging that's being sent among the group. And another thing that not it again, just to reinforce, it's not an indictment of Riley Tufty. No, this is just no. not the role that you would put him in. Positionally so, doesn't make sense. to yeah, call Well, him and up. even even to put him on the fourth line, like if everybody that loved his game that he played for the Avalanche. The role that he played in was offense. Is, is a lot more. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's so 11 different. and a half minutes, and he's playing next to Johansson and Shushkin. Like, so different. Just It's just a totally different. And so, like, I, because I know that the initial reaction was a lot of, like, but Tufty. And I get that because you just watched a guy have a good game in an ab sweater, and now, now you're calling up a guy that you barely saw in the preseason at all. You know, and what was a pretty solid camp battle, yeah. uh, you know, with a handful of guys in it till the end. Um, so I, you know, I just wanted to, to, to add in. Timing always a factor with Ben Myers hurt down in Loveland, too. Yeah. So. And, um, you know, the Peter Holland. Still not on an NHL deal. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. hurt. Also. Yeah. <laughs> Good start. Hurt. Good start. No, I, I feel for them. They're they're dealing with a, a lot of injuries, which is weird because they're still so deep at both forward and D in Loveland. Right now, I actually think they're dealing with more like chemistry-related issues because they have so many options. I mean, that D has been rotated pretty regularly so with far. With guys but like Clearman and Amit taking yeah. nights off, and it's not because they've played badly. They are There's just a, a pecking order there. Some really good options. This is probably... Just off the cuff, I don't know if any of us would know this, but have they had the same defensive lineup in all the in two straight games at all this season? Or do they have they really actually like pretty much every game rotated? You know, I down to this weekend, like I don't remember. I'm going to just peek really quick, actually. Yeah, all good. I, I knew that, that uh, they've played enough games that the, it's the, like the short answer is no, unless I'm missing something from this weekend. Let's yeah. see. So even if I thought it changed. Even if the answer is they did it for the first time in the season on November 2nd. Right. No, it would have been if it did happen. Okay, cool. 
Just that, that no. was just me being curious. No, no? no. okay, good, good. Yeah. So when you talk about <laughs> rotating guys in and trying to figure out chemistry, that's a challenge. And good players, right? Like we saw, Clerman had a, a pretty good camp too. Mm -hmm. I obviously love White on it. Those are guys getting nights off. It's kind of similar for their forwards right now too. Like Ryan Sandlin, straddling between the East Coast and the American League. It's an interesting situation for them to be in. Takes time. Takes time. So. Poland, my boy Poland, he's going to be fine. Well, I mean, you Even look at that. Scratched. But you look at that many guys down in the AHL, and then you look at guys like Tatar and Drew, and you say, hey, there's six dudes down there who want your job. They're coming for it. Oh, and they just brought one of them today, yeah. To Denver right. to be like, hey, because if, regardless of Frederick Olofsson, if Andre Pavel gets into a game, doesn't matter if Olofsson plays or not, if they put Pavel, Pavel into a game. Yeah. And he goes out there, and he throws the weight around. He wins a couple of face-offs, and he looks like he belongs. Jared Bednar's going to eat that shit up. Yep. Every <laughs> NHL coach loves that. Yep. yep. You're going to have a, a, a big conversation about what the Avs want to fill those lineup spots with. Yeah. Right? And obviously, when a player like Tatar or Druin is scoring, it's easy to keep them in the lineup. But when they aren't producing... And those are not guys who are going to give you a physical presence. Eventually, you got to do something else. Well, and you have to look for something. Because if you're playing guys that are primarily there to produce offense and they're not, and okay, you get, you get a Curtis McDermott, he, you know he's going to play physically. Yep. But you also know that the trust in him is very, very limited. So you're, you know that you're creating an additional challenge going in saying, hey, he's only going to play six minutes. Mm-hmm. Give or take, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever it is. But Number doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, the difference between four and six is like, right. OK. So, yeah, you've got to do something. So I'm, you know, Frederick Olofsson being day to day. We'll see if he's healthy. Sure. This is also the nice part of they're at home now for an entire week. Yep. They can call a guy up for a day, get him into a practice and just. Oh, yeah. If they need him tomorrow, he's here. Take a car ride down the road. It's not too hard. He's already here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good to go. You call him up the day before. He drives down to Family Sports. He probably hates I-25. <laughs> like the rest of us. Exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's all good, though. Like, that's... Oh, I might have talked myself into being excited about this. It wasn't that hard to do. It really was. I'm just excited to get past what happened the other day yeah, and just yeah. be like, let's just think, play the next game. I think we're all like, yeah, we're, we're over whatever that was yeah. at this point. <laughs> So we're on to the next one, uh, the next section of 10, too. But I do want to take a look at that bigger picture for Colorado. Uh, we kind of already mentioned this, but just to reiterate it, you go 7-3 and three in your first 10. As the Colorado Avalanche, are you happy with that? I'll answer. Um, I think you have to be happy. You know what I mean? Like, as a staff, as as players, as management, was it perfect? No, it wasn't. I mean, we all know that, and that's the beauty for me. That's the positive, you know, because at seven and three, I would say that there's still a lot of percentage of guys that can up their game, you know, to bring it up to a hundred percent. Bang, you know what I mean? I'm not picking on McKinnon, but McKinnon's one of them, right? We all yeah. know he can be a lot better. We know that, you know, Bo. If you look at his ten games. He came out a lot better. So there's room for improvement. There's room. And that's scary. That's scary for the rest of the league because th those guys are so good. Now, we're so accustomed to great performances by everybody. When they have an off day, it's, it's like, oh, you know. And then when they have three out of four, that is a little alarming. It is. And that's uh, that's the the 10-game segment is good. But now it's just lately it's there's there's a, a few red flags. And, and they know that. And I think they're... They're guys that have won. So you're not yeah. talking about people that have never won and they think they know, but they don't know. Those are the most dangerous players when they think they know it all and they really don't know Jack Squad. Um, but those guys, I'm talking about the elite guys that the Avs have, know how to win. They know what it takes. And they know that it wasn't up to snuff the last three out of four games, right? And, and that's why you don't really need to address it so much. They all know about the turnovers. They all know that they got to, you know, first, they just got to bring their heart rate up a little bit. I, I just feel that, you know, they just played a little too casual and, and I get it. It's a long year, but you know, now it's, it's, you had your freebies there. Now it's time to go. But at seven and three, I think it was a solid first 10 game uh, segment. 
Tomorrow starts the next segment. You're at home. You're getting some home games now. Obviously, they've played at home, what, three times in the first 10, which is not a lot. Makes a big difference. And Even though they've been great on the road. End since, of road trips. Yeah, since last year. But we all know that the last three, they lost. They're 0-3, the last three road games. So I think this is going to be good to get some home cooking tomorrow and be ready to go. And just about McKinnon, five of the 10 games they've played, he hasn't registered a point. Yeah. Yep. For a guy that usually tosses in a point two every out of every game three games. Worst, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's weird to see five out of ten. He has nothing. And then he'll do a tw- he'll go twenty and nine like you yeah, just did. Of right. We all know that. You know what I mean? And it's like then it equals out, right? You just can't go twenty, you know. That would be hundred and sixty points. That's a lot. <laughs> if he does, that's awesome, you know, but that's a lot. Seven and three in the first ten on the whole really isn't bad. It's actually probably quite excellent. I remember there was the the new writer for Denver Post, Corey. He was talking about how it was after I want to say the Carolina game when there wasn't a huge reaction over that win, and he was talking about how he was coming from covering an organization that would be through the roof over that at that point. And I think it puts into perspective where the Avs group is. Right, they're a team that is gunning for a cup. They want a deep postseason, and so seven and three on the whole, while not bad, is still is still not quite up to their standard. Because you look at the four game stretches. Eric has put it into really good perspective in terms of playoffs and how that could be measured. And over a four game stretch, these have been really difficult losses. So there's a little bit of a balance of not wallowing in self pity because that's a really self defeating cycle. So it's important to keep bigger picture perspective like seven and three, 10 games. That's a good record. But I think it is also important to still process why this four game stretch it's really the three you know, road games that we're looking at here have been so rough because Makar said something interesting today that there have been past versions of this group that have handled this type of thing differently and also that this type of a stretch isn't new either. This isn't something they haven't experienced together. Cogliano kind of affirmed as much too that this is still an experienced group of players, but the maturity isn't quite there yet is what Makar said. And what he's referring to is being able to respond to adversity in game. And I think that's where 7-3 on the whole isn't bad, but that is where they can do some soul searching and reflect a little bit more is, I think Eric, you just mentioned it too about playing a little too casually. I think the leadership group is doing a lot of reflection right now about what kind of role they want to have as leaders and recognizing that they need to be more active and vocal leaders, that that is what is required right now to get this group on the right track. And to that point of maturity that I think they're all confident they can get to, but aware that they're not there right now. And this was the leadership aspect of it is one of the reasons why when Eric Johnson left, we were like, you have no Gabe Landeskog, you lose Eric Johnson, you know, the the large part of your leadership group that Mm -hmm. won you a Stanley Cup you know, Nazem Kadri was a really big part of that, too. He's gone as well. So it's, yeah, some of these guys that are that are still here were a part of the group that went and won it. They wear the A on their chest. That's all good and well. But it is really easy to look at no Landis Cog, especially at the top of the food chain of the leadership group, and say, you really miss that aspect of it. Of course you miss the player and all the things he did on the ice, but the intangible side of it, being that guy, yeah. you know, being that emotional center of what they did, is lacking and Eric Johnson was a minor extension of that last year that could help bridge that gap a little bit without him this year they're searching for that identity in the leadership aspect and I think that's part of it we we have seen them in the off games that they've played things have gotten a little snowbally on them a little and <laughs> you know like the like I would the, I would say a lot <laughs> certainly the Vegas is, is like a disaster yeah like that's a train wreck and so I, I think that it's a great call out to, to talk about leadership there, that that is a void that they are looking to fill, that they're trying to figure that out. Yep. And, uh, you know, for all the veteran presence of a, of a guy like a Jack Johnson, he's just never been that guy in Colorado. And so it would be hard to ask him to be that guy. I think Nathan McKinnon is looking around knowing. It's him, bud. And Miko Ranton and Kel McCarr, not just McKinnon, of, of course. course. Those three are looking around going. We have to own this. We're going to have to raise this level of what we do. We need to become a bigger part of this solution. 
I'm going to jump into this because that's a great point. And I didn't even think about it until you're talking. Well, you raise it up. You're talking about it. I'm going to go back years when being part of a locker room. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll use myself. Loud mouth. I'm being honest. Loud mouth in the locker room. Um, no surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. God, that is so mean. I'm kidding. Um, loud mouth. Really, you know, but I'll tell you one thing. You get traded to a place like Colorado. I'm, I'm going back in my experiences here. So mm -hmm. you, you walk into a dressing room, and it's an intimidating dressing room. You know, you got the Sackick and Forsbergs and Waz, and, but you got the Claude Lemuse and vocal guys, Mike Keen. Um, so when I go back, is you, you learn who the vocal leaders are, right? Because there's different types of leaders, right? Joe Sackick was never... A loud mouth. He's led by example, which I do believe that's all McKinnon is. I, I'm just going by what I'm piecing together, okay? And then Gabe's, because I know Gabe, because I history with Gabe, and Gabe's a loud mouth too. Gabe's not afraid to talk, and you know, let's go and let's let's talk. Kale is, is is probably a you know lead by example. He's not a guy that's so. When you come to a new dressing room, if you're smart, if you're smart, you watch and observe for about 10 games i'm gonna use wood for example i don't think he looks like a guy that's pretty shy but i bet you these last 10 games probably been shy in the locker room quiet and again i'm using him not knowing at all but you do need a loud locker room and like you said ej was a guy that liked to talk uh 92's not there so sometimes you're missing a little bit of ingredients and it just kind of popped at me the way you guys have been talking and but sometimes it takes time. It takes time before you, you learn your spot in the dressing room. You learn your spot in the hierarchy of the team. Um, one of the best leaders I've ever played with in Colorado is Mike Keene. Scored five goals a year. So it's not about <laughs> are you an elite player. Keener, I hope you're listening right now because you were dog poo-poo. I'm kidding. <laughs> awesome. But for me, he's the guy I probably learned the most out of because mm -hmm. it's, it's so important in those in those 15 minutes in between periods or on the bench on a tv timeout there's so much you can bring to the game without playing 20 minutes a night and guys like that are so valuable so i do believe the avs have those guys and sometimes it's just because ross colton looks like one of those guys the way he plays the way he i'm sure is one of those guys but it just takes a little bit of time it's intimidating you're you're right there and there's nathan mckinnon there there's mccarr there it just you got to find out where you are and I bet you once those guys feel comfortable, because usually after 10 games, you should be comfortable now. Then you can be yourself. Uh, I, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I wanted to expand on it because it was a topic in the room this morning among a couple different players who are viewed as leaders. And Rantanen took ownership of the fact that in that Vegas game specifically, when they hit rough points in the game, the bench was a little quiet. Like Dumb. he recognized that the leadership needed to be more vocal. Mm -hmm. He used the word chatter. They needed to be chattering more on the bench as leaders. And I want to be clear because both Cogliano and Rantanen said they need more of their leadership and they're referring to themselves. So they're not actually throwing the leadership core under the bus when they're saying that. They're actually talking about themselves. So Rantanen saying that we need more from the leadership is mm -hmm. I need to be more vocal in those moments. And similarly, Makar talked about how when that game started, they came out of that first period and it wasn't a bad first period. Like that game had not been lost coming out of it. And so he doesn't want to see the team get frustrated in those moments. And that's where he pointed out that he could take ownership as a leader. And then similarly, Cogliano in talking about personal accountability, how he basically chalked up to what the Avs need to do next is down to the individual players. And I asked, what is the key then to overcoming, you know, mental lapses on an individual level? Is that something that the person takes ownership of themselves or does the leadership step in and sort of teach accountability in that? Right. And he, he acknowledged like, no, the, one, to be a pro in this league, it's not easy to stay in it. So, yeah, the individual <laughs> does have to take ownership of it. That's absolutely true. But the leadership does need to be more involved and he's again speaking of himself he's not throwing anyone under the bus and this is i promise this is going to reach a, a conclusion soon <laughs> kale mccarr talked about how he isn't the most vocal leader but when he does need to say something he will like he, he wants to make it count is how he framed it 
And this is what I think is interesting about, especially Rantanen and Makar, who I think are still growing into their leadership roles. I think they can still be the guys in that room, especially Makar, who I think can be more vocal than he has been. And that's where I think I'm looking to him to be the one to take a really big step forward as a voice in the room. He always has been. It just hasn't been the loudest. And I think that he's in a position to take a bigger step forward and become an even more prominent voice in the room. And there's two parts of this, too. I want people to understand that there's a, a team meeting, you know, like it's like a family, right? You do meet. And it, it, me, I'm talking even more like in the action. You're sleeping for a period in the action. Those guys play so much, the top end guys. You actually want them to breathe and, you know, like, hey, don't start yelling and, you know what I mean? Like, breathe, take a breath, you're going back out there. But if you don't play that much, there's a way to be valuable to a team. Of course, there are guys, guys out there, I'm not going to lie to you, they love to hear themselves talk and then whatever they say, it's like, wow, are you serious? You know, you're doing this for you right now. But if the Avalanche have real people. They've done a masterful job of building this team. they got quality people. The guys that are not playing as much, that falls on them on the bench to get the guys going. You know, and, and of course, Kale McCarr, it's like Joe Sackick. I think Joe Sackick started throwing water bottles and, you know, mm -hmm. oh my God, no. You know what I mean? It's just like Kale McCarr. I mean, and if you do that, you're like, whoa, what is going on? You know what I mean? That is not normal. I, I think part of it is with someone like Kale, when the guy who doesn't talk a ton says something, you listen, right? 100%. And, you know, three shutouts in four games might be time for that guy to say something. Yeah. Well, and, and he and might throw have. throw a water bottle. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He might have in, in discussions one with the team in between Kale games. One good Kale Godzilla roar. Just one. <laughs> would shock measure. all of them. <laughs> you probably start like, laughing, you know? <laughs> okay, what was that? And then loosen them up a little bit and go play some hockey. You probably start laughing because you're like, my God, I didn't know you had that in you to be yeah. bad, right? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, whoa. We do have to keep the show rolling a little bit here as we are brought to you by Red Hawk Roofing. Uh, the best roofers here in Denver are happy to join the DNVR team. Red Hawk Roofing, if you don't know them, are amazing at what they do. They have 24-7 service, and they'll get out there extremely quick to help you out. If you're having any issues with your roof, whether it's at home or at your business, they have decades of experience, and they'll even give you a free no-obligation roof and property inspection, as well as free in-depth photo reports for all of their inspections. So even if you're not sure, if you think there might be something wrong with your roof, but you don't know, give Red Hawk Roofing a call, and they will have your back. Winter's coming. I know it's supposed to snow later this week so got to get in on it make sure you're solid up on top of the house or business uh be sure to check out red hawk roofing at redhawkroofing.com and tell them dnvr sent you and then we're also brought to you by kind love uh unfortunately for all of y'all they sold out of the dnvr joint pack so you're gonna have to wait for the restock to get those again but Kind Love has tons of amazing, amazing products, which you can get with that QR code right on screen or going to kindlove.com or, of course, going into the stores as AJ's losing his mind about something. We'll see it later. All right. I'll take your word for it. Uh, kind Love, one of the earliest dispensaries here in Colorado. They've been around since 2010. Again, tons of amazing products. They're turbo joints. Everybody here at DMVR loves them. They also have... You know, normal stuff, pre-rolls, all the good stuff that you can get. Uh, and you can visit one of their stores in Cherry Creek next to the PetSmart uh, or North Denver. And make sure you mention DNVR when you purchase. They get 25% off all of your Kind Love products. Again, go to KindLove.com for their full ordering menu. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Uh, we talked about this a little bit the other day on the show with Colleen. But AJ wasn't on that show. Mm. I think the answer is pretty obvious. But through 10 games of the season, who has been the Avs' best player? Oh. Dude, I don't know. Got to think about it? Yeah. I feel like it's a pretty easy Miko for me. I I mean, that's my initial reaction. Sure. Um, I would also say that I, I think it's tough for Georgiev. I, because yes, I agree. In the losses that he has... The team in front of him hasn't done Has anything for him. Truly awful. Yeah. Hasn't done anything for him. I mean, no goal. No, no goaltender will ever win a game if your With team gets shut out. Yeah, <laughs> you just can't. You you literally cannot do it. 
So yeah. even if he had played perfectly in every one of those games, he can't get them over that hump. Not wrong. And you look at the goals, the first four goals in the Vegas game, you're looking at it going, oh, my gosh. So I I, I think Miko is, you know, he has the most number of points. The games he's been great. He's been exceptional. And But but I just a little bit of love here for Georgiev as well that his games have been more good, way more good than bad. And I... You know, because you do look at the losses and you're not pinning any of those on him. He did not play. He did not have really tough games. For my money, his worst game was the uh, Islanders game. Yep. They got away with They won that game. So Fair I, enough. I, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm cool with Miko, but a little bit of love for Georgiev as well. So I want to go. Are we all in agreement? Georgiev and Miko won two? Um, I'm throwing LOC in there, friend of the show. I, I well, this you can it can be your number two then. Fine, fine, fine. I'm curious who you guys think is adding the third best player there. Is it is it the simple answer of a McCarr or I? Is it a McKinnon? And secondarily, who is the guy you think has quietly been very good for Colorado through these ten? I don't know if Logan O'Connor's been very quietly. Good. Yeah, that, I would not put him as all right, the, all the right. quiet answer. The three there. straight shorthanded goal games. <laughs> pretty loud. Pretty, pretty loud. loud. And yeah. honestly, just this promotion to the third line, like he's been one of the steadiest parts, I think, of Colorado so far. I think they have been dealing with, as McKinnon alluded to in the post game, chemistry issues. And I think that his consistency is why he's been one of the strongest. So. I'm trying to think of who the dark horse candidate would be, and I revert back to my answer similar to the Colleen episode of Freddie Olofsson being a part of that fourth line, integrating as well as he has, and being a nice asset on the penalty kill as well. Cogliano kind of also in that mix. Just I think those have been quietly good players because they've been so steady. I'm going to throw him in there just so I can get things going. Quietly been good, Sam Gerard. For me, <laughs> he's been, not because he's French. That that adds to it. It does. It does. You gotta love him. But I think he's just been quietly good. And and I'm always one of the guys that defends him. If if I if I hear people complain about, he's a perfect salary in the salary cap era. He's mm-hmm. a perfect serviceable guy that will give you solid minutes that 31 other teams will take. So I love Sam Gerard. I'm a big fan of Sam Gerard, and I think he's been quietly really good in those ten games. Since you took your guy, my guy, I'll throw Miles Wood in there. Perfect. And just say that this is probably I would probably say Wood relative to expectations. Yeah. To kind of build on the LOC thing, every game is the same for Miles Wood. He goes out there, he skates really fast, he runs into stuff. We we joke that he doesn't even play a north south game because there's just no south. Yeah, north. It's, he, it's just only ever north for that guy, and he goes back around the world, and it's it's just only north. And the physicality and the reliability with which he plays has been a really steadying force for them. I've I've been really happy with Miles Wood. I I would like the production to to come, but I think as they find a third guy to consistently play on that line. I think as Ross Colton continues to settle in, we've seen a much different Ross Colton over the last four games than the first six that I think we're going to see those guys really pick it up a little bit more. And also, Frederick Olofsson's been really good outside of the face-off thing. (laughs) Frederick Olofsson's everything, literally everything else about Frederick Olofsson's game, I have really liked. It felt like he has tied that fourth line together in a way that it never got last year as they kept hoping that Darren Helm, you know, would figure it out and get healthy enough and stay in the lineup. And then, you know, the Dryden Hunt and Dennis Morgan, they're hemorrhaging bodies left and right. They never really got a chance to build up any consistency uh, and gel as a bottom six. And I think this bottom six is way ahead of last year's in terms of how they play the game as a group. And I think Frederick Olofsson is a big part of that. I agree. I like the wood take. I think he's been, this sounds like an insult, but I think he's been predictable. And I think with the flashes of highs and lows that the Avs have been experiencing so far, that it's actually a really refreshing 
and welcome addition. I agree. I, I actually want to touch on that because this is something weirdly that happens a lot in my spheres of playing video games online with random people. When you're playing any sport with new teammates, with guys that you're still getting to know, with guys that you're adjusting to, it's important to do predictable things. Yeah. It's important to show the guys you're playing with what you're going to do and do it consistently so they understand how to play off of you. The, the goal that he scored that got pulled off the board is a great play from Jonathan Duran. And all, what does Miles Wood do? He just skates to the net. Bane yep. crash. He just skates to the net, puts a stick down, and puts that thing in. It's, it's good quality hockey. It's chemistry. It's predictable. Right? It's predictable. It's yep. chemistry. It's, it's your goaltender. How does he play pucks, right? Yep. Does he play pucks? Does he come out a lot? Does he, you know? So you, as a D, you know how Georgiev plays, and then you know how, well, it's hard right now with P. Diddy, um, P. Dog. Um, <laughs> Ivan. Ivan. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, because I, mm-hmm. I don't want to use his last name. I'm just going to butcher it, so I don't want to be disrespectful. So P. Dog. I, I butcher name. their names all the time, uh, so it's so all good. It, yeah, and it's Ivan. He might uh, again small sample. He's only played one game, but you know how they play. You you know where you should go. So that's chemistry, and and like you just said, pre- being predictable is important, and, and it does take time. But it's like now it's the ten game segment's over. Now you should know one another. You've been on the road together, and that's why being on the road is important, right? Because you spend time on on the bus, you spend time at practice, you spend time at dinner. Where at home you probably won't, unless you're two young guys hanging out and. You know, going to dinner together. Other than that, you only get that on the road. So, but you do learn how guys are, and and you know that's where you see Miko and Nate. You know, for years now, played together. They feed off well of each other. They didn't know where each other is. So, yeah, chemistry is a huge thing in having success. So, I want to flip this question beyond Druid and Tatar, which we've talked about a lot. Who is an AV that you would like to see more out of in the next ten games? Found the Chushkin. Okay. It's got to be better than this. And obviously, I, I wrote it the other day that he's playing. He played the worst game I think I've ever seen him play. It was awful. It was. Truly awful. It was shockingly bad going back through the film because I didn't watch it that night. I did it the next morning when I got up. Don't blame you for that. Yeah. It was <laughs> shockingly bad. Obviously, the goals against are one thing, but it, he has the puck, just weak turnovers, yep. blindly throwing pucks into the middle of the ice, creating chances going the other way, not skating on. A, Total, total nightmare. Just a total nightmare. And that's one game out of 10. But the offensive impact hasn't been there at all. Yep. The, he continues to do the things that he's always done defensively more often Outside than not. Outside of that Vegas. He's been, <laughs> exactly. He's been good, solid, steady, reliable in that way. You got an eight-year deal. You're making a decent amount of money. You, he did not get paid that to be a, a good defensive wing. He has to be a very good two-way player. And the offensive side of the puck has not been there yet. It's not entirely on him. Some of that is circumstance because he gets a different line made every night. Um, And I think this has been the big challenge of Colorado's forward core and why they've gotten shut out three times already is that they are half their forward core is new. Yep. And it was almost like they had too many options. So Bednar was really quick to make changes. If he only has two options... He, Not a lot to tinker with. There. He doesn't have very many choices for different things to play around with. But because there were so many, you know, there's Tatar, there's Druan, you had that whole, you have a brand new third line. You know, you've got Ryan Johansson in the middle of it. Half your forward core is brand new. And so you're trying, they're trying to figure all that out. And so I think that has had a negative impact on the Nachushkins and Lekkonens of the world. But. Nachushkin in particular is the one guy that I watch most nights and think, where is this guy? What's happening here? Why he, the, the good defensive stuff is not enough for him. He is a more important player than that. He has to be a two-way guy, a good two-way guy. And the, the offense just isn't, it's lacking for me right now. Nuke. I feel similarly. Um, it's the second line on the whole, and that's obviously like, what is the second line? And I, I kind of, in my mind, even though Lekkonen has played up in the lineup as well, I kind of view it as Lekkonen, Johansson, and Nachushkin. Obviously, because they haven't always played alongside each other, there's a consistency issue that I think gives all of them some allowances. 
But this is where I really look to Ryan Johansson, specifically at 5v5. I know that he has his limitations as a player and he's not Nazem Kadri, but I do wonder if that is the key to getting that second line going, to helping a player like Val Natushkin and helping a player like Lekkonen, because I think on the whole, especially, especially offensively, at 5v5, it has been quieter from those players and I expect a little bit more. Because um, I actually think, too, what's tough with Val Natushkin is there's a few games at the start where he showed so much promise in his explosive skating, especially coming off a year where he struggled with injury, that I also think it's fair to expect more because he already showed us flashes of better than what we saw in the Vegas game. Uh, I'm going to go with a different guy, but I really like him. Underrated acquisition a couple years ago in that in that run. I think last year... The summer was tough. He missed some time. He didn't play a lot in preseason this year. Josh Manson. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan. I am a big fan. I say it all the time, right? He's the the guy that's different on the back end there compared to the other guys. And I think it's just, and it's not a knock on him, like I said, because I'm a big fan. And it's just he hasn't found his footing. He hasn't found his game. And, and did I expect that? Yes. Bigger body. Not a lot of preseason time. It's a different way to rehab in the summer. You're not, and he missed the end of the year last year. I mean, when, the last 20, 30? I'm trying to remember. Like, he basically played a couple games in the last half of the season, right? So it makes it tough, and he's not a finesse player. He's a, he's a guy that needs to throw his body around. I just feel he hasn't found his, his, his game. Um, do I think he will? Yes. Does it look like he's healthy? Yeah, I, th- I, I do believe he's, you know, knock on wood through his injury, but... I think once this guy finds his game, he, he brings such a different dynamics in the back end. Uh, and I think that Diaz will, will find their game more there on that third pairing type of thing or whatever, second pairing, as a top six unit, you know, back there. I wanted to bring up this topic because it's, it's a pretty interesting situation the Avs are in. On one hand, there's a pretty good chance they have a 10-game stretch that goes worse than 7-3 and three this year. Mm-hmm. Seems likely. They, they probably don't have three shutouts in that stretch, but as far as wins and losses go, pretty good chance they have a worse stretch than that. And on the other hand, you're talking about a team that's playing 700 hockey, and everybody both in and outside the organization is saying, we can be a whole lot better than this. 700 hockey will get you to the playoffs pretty, pretty handily. Comfortably. And, probably hosting a series. Yeah. And the Avs are talking about being significantly better than that as the season goes forward. Yeah, I think that if you were to go through some of the underlyings, you would see that their process has been okay. There's a lot of finish that hasn't gone their way, um, and that they, kind of like early at the start of last year, that the mistakes that they're making are the big mistakes. So maybe they're only giving up 10 high-danger chances in a game. But four of them go in. yeah. Yeah, but four of them are into empty nets, and it's like you don't even give your goaltender a chance there. Yep. And so it's it's the consistency of raising raising the floor of their game, I think, will do a lot for them. And then, yeah, their best guys all need to play a little bit better. Yeah. I, 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 there is zero doubt in my mind that their best guys need to be better and will be better, certainly as far as the, the McKinnons and the McCars of the world. They're too good to... I, I don't even know if I'd call it struggling, but... It, it seems unlikely that there will be a 10-game stretch the rest of this season that McKinnon is not a point-per-game player. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. So, you know, to be 7-3 and three at the end of that? Scary. Feel pretty good about it. At your the team's end of ability the, as a whole. The bottom, the bottom line of this, you have to feel like it's a flawed 7-3, and three, but it's 7-3. and three. Yep. Would you rather be the Avs or the Oilers right now? And on the road. Yes. <laughs> You'd they rather have, be the end. They have three home games. Uh, I think I did the math. 17% of their road schedule is done. It's a pretty big disparity there. Yeah. They are tied for the fewest number of home games in the NHL this year. For the, for the record, the, 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 the Vegas's game against the Avs the other day was their eighth home game. The Avs, oh, have, I know. the Avs have three. Yep. That's not why Vegas is an absolute monster right now, but you do look at it and say, as much as we've talked about the being on the road is great for bonding, especially for a new team like that. 
Now we get to see the Avs turn it up a little bit because they get some home games. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not like their schedule's easy this week. They've got good teams coming into Denver until St. Louis is back. Mm-hmm. But it's a big week for them. You want to see a strong response. And I think them getting at home and them getting a little consistency helps all of these things that we've talked about. Fair enough. On that note, we are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Got a pick of the week here for you, or rather, I'm going to make AJ give us a uh, pick of the week here. Who you got, AJ? For Weebo what? or Billy Billy? Weebo. Weebo Gaming. Yeah. All right. I'm here for it. This is the LOL World Championships for the majority of our audience that is going, what the hell yeah. are they talking about? I like uh, the aggression. Just go hard? Yeah. All right. I'm here yeah, for I it. Like, uh, I like teams that play fast early in games. And don't necessarily know what they're doing later in games. Speaking my language right there. Because it's entertaining to watch. Love it. There you go. You can get it on some esports gambling over at DraftKings Sportsbook. If you want to follow our pick of the week, of course, you can also gamble on all sorts of other stuff. Regular sports, crazy stuff, you name it. Get in with the DNVR code over at DraftKings with your new account. And when you bet $5 on any NFL game, you get $200 in bonus bets to use with DraftKings Sportsbook, which you can bet on whatever you want. Highly recommend you go give it a try today. $200 in bonus bets is just free money to mess around with. So why not get in on all of the action with DraftKings Sportsbook? Uh, They're also giving a bunch of game day sweetener offers every single day. So keep your eyes peeled on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Download it today. Use the DNBR code. Get the $5 bet on the NFL to get $200 in bonus bets instantly. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777. Visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Uh, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Yeah! That was not a very good one. We got there. We got there in the end. Uh, Also. Sorry, headphone users. Brought to you by us. We have a bunch of diehard events coming up this year, Mm. both here at the bar and in the arena. Our first takeover for the Avs is December 9th. You can get your tickets now if you go over to thednvr.com. Come join the fam. If you're concerned about the Avs season, still haven't ever lost a game that we've done a takeover for. They're undefeated at DNVR Avalanche Takeovers. Keep your shirt on. I've also never been here for one. Oh my gosh, that's so true. So (laughs) something's got to give. So if I go to the takeover (laughs) and they lose, lose, I'm uninvited. Oh no. I understand. (laughs) I understand. We have more takeovers than that later in the year too. And a bunch of other exciting events down here at the bar. So... Be sure you're coming down, enjoying yourself, and consider becoming a diehard today to get first access to events like that and a bunch of other amazing things. You get a free shirt with your diehard membership. You also get 15% off at the DNVR locker. You get 15% off at the bar. All sorts of awesome stuff going on when you become a diehard, and you get access to all of our content. So why not give her a go? Uh, Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. I said it a million times. We'll say it again because it's anything, the only thing people ever talk about all the time on the internet when it comes to hockey. The trade deadline. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, but yes. Should the Avs make a move? Should the Avs be looking to make a move? Is Patrick Kane healthy yet? <laughs> now we can talk to when he's ready. So your answer is, as far as the trade market, no. Yeah, no. What what teams are out there looking to do something in the trade market right now? Like, I know that there's been all kinds of talk about Vancouver, but they have to be money in, money out. And is that a fit? That's a team that sucks defensively and needs to get better there. Are the Avs giving up any of those guys? I just, where where what move do they make is my question here. So that's where I'm, right now I'm like, I'm with you. I'm just trying to yeah. satiate the people. That totally, totally. I understand. Yeah, I mean, you also, again, you told, I mentioned earlier, half their forward course, brand new. Ten games? Yeah, it's pretty quick. Pretty quick trigger. If the, if the ten games had gone any differently, 
seven and three record, but it goes differently. You didn't have three shutout losses. Yeah. Are people even three thinking out of about the last it? four? Yeah, yeah, you're probably not having the conversation. These conversations were happening at six and zero. Oh. It's true. So you know, our biggest conversation was: Is Caleb Jones going to play over Jack Johnson? We knew that answer was no, not <laughs> in a healthy lineup. Yep. That has remained true, and probably will moving forward. I, they're going to ride or die with Jack Johnson for a while. So I'm not. I'm not seeing a major hole in the roster for them to actually go make that move at the moment. I want to go another way with this with Megan. <laughs> Should the Avs make a move to give opportunity to someone already in the organization? Obviously, we've already seen a game for Tufty. We may or may not see a game for Pavel. Is there anyone else you'd like to see them maybe try and work in? That's tough because we'd be talking like presumably. I mean, I'm just looking at where there's extra in the lineup and it feels like we're talking about Jonathan Druin can be whoever you want it to be. <laughs> I don't want it to be anybody. <laughs> I, I do want to see Tufty get more looks, though. And I, I think he's in a tough spot with waivers um, in terms of like he just can't have total free reign of yeah. that opportunity. So he's a little bit chained to that. And so the Avs have to be mindful then and a little bit conservative of his use and the timing of his use. But I, I would need to see him more in an NHL lineup before I really considered a trade to make room for Tufty. Fair enough. Also, if you add somebody to your forward core from the AHL right now, that immediately becomes your weakest link and the guy that loses his job to Nikolai Kovalenko. Like, that's... The X factor of the forward core is that guy's on his that's, way. That's looming yeah. until March. Right. <laughs> so um, if you're adding to the forward core, like the forwards are, those guys are tough. He's going to play this year. You know, we're, we're going to see him. He's, he probably plays 20 games, just how injuries work, all that, you know, whatever. But I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm. otherwise I would just agree. I just wanted to add the Kovalenko point that. No, it's a great point. Like. It's it's tough because you're like the that guy comes in March. Yeah, You've got six months to and get months through. And months yeah, before still, yeah. before that's a conversation for real. But uh, as they we do seriously get closer to the deadline, whatever, you know, uh, those all, are conversations. Also, yeah. you you make decisions over the summer. If you completely pull the ripcord over ten games and you're done, 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 you're and you say I'm out point. of it, yeah. you are overreacting. Yeah. You you just are, especially because. We mentioned Jonathan Duran. For my money, he's outplayed Tomas Tatar by a pretty sizable amount. I don't even think it's all that close. When it comes to underlyings and actual generation of opportunities, right? I agree. He has been involved in the action way more. Tatar, you would say, is the better two-way player. Sure, definitely. But both of those guys, sure, they need to step it up. They need to whatever. But you notice that nobody's worried about Ross Colton. Ross Colton's underlings have been atrocious. In the first handful of games, he was just okay. Yep. It's gotten better, but, you know, give him time. Yep. You need to give some of these guys a little bit of time, and especially the guys that are being asked to do a little more uh, and have more responsibility. Talking about, you know, Miles Wood and, and Frederick Olofsson, those guys look good. Well, they don't ask. They aren't asked to do a lot. They're asked to do the same thing every night, and it's not, and on that checklist is not, you have to go out and score a goal. Yep. You know, so you need you need to give these guys just I, I would say ten more games, and if after ten more games you haven't yeah it has not gotten any better, quarter of season's over at that point. This so the, the Patrick Kane thing stops being funny to me and starts being a how healthy is he? Yeah, it, and honestly, it might even be two weeks because he might not he might make his decision before then. It's true. So if you're serious about him and he's serious about you, then you do need to see a little bit more from those guys that you're looking for more from yep. uh, Luke mentioning Eustace Ananen Ananen pros with Tav whatever the continued question marks around it will Pavel Frensos be healthy ever this year is there some urgency in in that position for the abs or is it just hey we have pros with Tav this is what we're doing with the schedule that they've had it's been perfect and and Eustace is in a great spot I'm a big fan. I know Megan is like, I'm a fan of Yusuf Sandin, and But he's playing right now. And uh, whether he would have been up with the team, he would have played one game so far. 
So in the first month of a season after a long summer, right, because you're not playing games, you want to get starts. And right now they're doing the right thing with him, which is he's getting starts down there, playing well. Um, I thought, I mean, I, I looked at a couple scores. I mean, had some of my spies there last game, <laughs> and they said he was really good. Um, but, um, yeah, I think he's in the right spot. I think he's in the right place. And time will tell here as we get more into the meat of the schedule. And you'll see a little bit more what their overall plan is, you know, mm-hmm. as an organization with with that part of the lineup. But so far, I think they've been more than fine. They've handled it pretty good. All right. Fair enough. It'd be nice to see them get into that every other day, closer to an every other yeah. day normal hockey rhythm and not this game, two days off, game, yeah. two days off, game, it's two been, days off. That has been... defined the first month of the season. I have also least games played of anyone in the NHL. There's a handful of teams at 10 games. But Only three of those at home. Like, yep. uh, they may not have played a ton of games on the road, but they've spent a ton of time on the road. Two days in away cities. Right. Yeah. Well, that stuff wears, wears on you. It does. It, they're finally home for... More than more, two days at a time. Yeah, yeah more normal schedule. Because from here, the only long away from home stretch that they have is coming out of the All-Star break, yeah. where they have like that long trip. And But that's it. Yep. Uh, the rest of the, the, rest never, of the season. It's like all two and three game trips. Exactly. The rest of the that, season yeah. is a very healthy balance between home and road. Slightly skewed towards home because of how it started. So that's my, I'm excited for a, a rhythm to develop of, normalcy factors topics keys for the next 10 for the abs Andrew Cogliano said just be better it's that easy it's that easy I wish I could just be better same (laughs) you know what the funny thing is when it comes to guys like Nathan McKinnon yeah I believe it I believe he can just be better so maybe it'll work I don't know. Uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Anything from practice interesting that we haven't already covered? No. Okay. Miles yeah. Wood's really clumsy though. He like he's not even clumsy necessarily. He's just the on the bad end of bad luck. Like he Oof. took a puck to the face, and Oof. he's okay though. That's the report. Is he's he's fine. It just didn't look so good for a second. It can look as bad as it wants as long as he's yeah, okay in he's, the end. <laughs> he's tough cookie. I believe it. The teeth or lack of teeth should show I think that the off. teeth are intact too. I think he's good. Well, the teeth that he had the, are intact. The remaining teeth are still okay. That's good. Uh, all right. On that note, we are brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You can get yours here at the bar, eight kinds on tap, or anywhere in the U.S. at your local liquor store. Use the Breck Beer Locator online at breckbrew.com and check out their awesome merch on breckbrew.com too. Lots of people love their hats. Uh, and also brought to you by Breckenridge Distillery. If the hard liquor is more your thing, they have award-winning bourbon whiskey, which you got to get your hands on uh, if you haven't tried it. It's absolutely fantastic stuff. Uh, and they have other alcohols as well, including a new vodka that is inspired by the Broncos' new white helmets and jerseys. So go check that out if you haven't, too. Lots of great options when it comes to Breckenridge Distillery. Uh, and go over to uh, BreckenridgeDistillery.com today to see all of their ordering menu. And if you're in a place where you're allowed to, you can even order their alcohol online from there. So go give that a try if you have the opportunity. And also be sure to use hashtag Broncos Bourbon over on Instagram with your favorite pictures of the Broncos for your chance to win sweet tickets to the Broncos New Year's Eve game against the Chargers. Uh, all right. That's all we got for today. It is not. Oh, yo, yeah, no, no, you're right. I mean, it is all we have for today because this is us advertising what we're doing on Wednesday. Yeah. Kind of a big show coming your guys' way. We're going to have two people on this very set, two people you maybe have heard of before, uh, two people that are very cool looking in their cowboy outfits from what I've heard. You've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've seen I it. I can say that they looked cool. Peter Forsberg and Joe Sackick will be on the DNVR Avalanche podcast live for Wednesday's show. Uh, Hope y'all check it out. We'll be having a good time here in the studio with them, talking all sorts of stuff from Hall of Fame inductions to the ads. So uh, it should be a fun time. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully y'all are looking forward to it as much as we are. Don't miss that one.
it's, it's uh, a good little precursor for uh, yeah the next week of content that we have. Yeah, should be a good time. Lots of stuff coming y'all's way. Uh, we appreciate all y'all hanging out with us today. Uh, if you didn't catch us live, you can always catch us after the fact here on YouTube. Like and subscribe so you don't miss. Or you can catch us on any podcasting app that you might use. Spotify, Apple Music, whatever it is. Uh, we are there too. So we appreciate y'all. And we will talk to you in the next one. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We all silly like the mayor. 